And now, broadcasting from their secret hideout, Checkpoint XP presents a show about comic books and superheroes. Robbie Landis, Joe Sloan, The Other Identity. Welcome, true believers and near-do-wells, to the secret bungalow. I am, of course, the great Landis, and joined, as always, by my kind of trusty sidekick, Joe Boy. Kind of trusty? Yeah, you know what? I've came up with all the names for this, and you haven't even tried to come up with anything at all. We're in the secret bungalow because of your lazy incompetence. I, I don't think that's quite fair. I, I, I think uh, when you think about the, 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 the luxuriousness of this, it is a bungalow. It's lovely here. Okay. I mean, it is, but I just wish we weren't calling it Singer Bungalow. I expected you to come up with something better, and you didn't. Well, you should know better than to expect more of me. Exactly. Exactly. Now, uh, thank you guys for joining us. It's actually a a special day, a special episode, because we have on our first ever guest. We are joined by Ben Morris, visiting lecturer at UNLV, and formally, this is a big one here, editorial director of digital media at Marvel. Ben, welcome to The Other Identity. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah, it's a big title because I was just there long enough. They had to keep changing my title to <laughs> make it sound more and more important. So I started out as a assistant editor of Marvel.com, and I just stuck around long enough that every year it was like, well, I guess we got to give you something. So here's a, here's a new title. And yeah, eventually I got the editorial director of digital media. Well, that's great. We're, uh, we're really excited to have you on the show here. And uh, you're actually, the, again, the first guest ever. So, so we're kind of making this up uh, as we go. But where I kind of wanted to start is, you know, when we first started this show, our first episode was uh, origin stories. We talked about, you know, what sort of got us into comics or the comics that we were into and, you know, where it started and where it, le- it led to. And if we were kind of C-tier heroes, you know, you working at Marvel are obviously an A-tier hero. So we have to know, you know, where did your origins in comics start? What, what, what got you started? I was a comics fan for as long as I can remember. It's one of those things where, like, you're – it's almost like a few different tiers. Like, I was aware of comics as a kid or rather – I wasn't aware of comics, but I was aware of superheroes. You know, just in that way that you're kind of like, I knew that I loved The Flash. The Flash was my favorite character as a okay, kid. that's a good one. And it was, but it wasn't because I read Flash comics. It wasn't, honestly, it wasn't even because I watched like Super Friends or something like that. It was more just, I was aware that there was a character who dressed in red and yellow. He ran super fast. And I thought he was really cool. I didn't know who Barry Allen was. I didn't know who Wally West was. <laughs> I just knew the costume and the powers and that appealed to me. And that was like the early on kind of, okay, there's something about this that I like. I was also a big, uh, I always have been like a big professional wrestling fan. So that idea of good versus evil uh, really was right in my wheelhouse. Just that like larger than life struggle between the good guys and the bad guys. Uh, it's something I enjoyed, you know, in reading and everything. I think what really flipped the switch for me as far as, okay, now I'm a comic book fan was um, the nineties X-Men cartoon show. Oh yeah. yes. So yes. I, I can remember Halloween night, night of the Sentinels part one, watching that mm-hmm. and just being all in on this. And then for me, the thing was, um, just the way my mind works is when I get like a taste of something, I want to go all in. Like I'm very obsessive about it. So for me, I was like, all right, well, this show's only on once a week 
and it takes hiatuses. Like, how am I going to get more material? So I immediately kind of discovered, oh, comics. Comics is the whole backbone of all of this. Like, the TV show is cool, but here's where it comes from. So I, there was a great comic store right down the street from me. I actually ended up uh, working there. I, I, I was a kid at this point. I was in elementary school, but I was, like, organizing their <laughs> comics so that they would give me comics. Like, that was the trade-off. So nice. I didn't so I would like they, their comics would come in and I would just like shelve them and put them in order and stuff like that. It was actually a baseball card store, but they like expanded out in the comics. So X-Men was really my, uh, my entry point. And I think X-Men is a great entry point if you're a kid, because on the one hand, you've got these great characters, colorful costumes, awesome powers. So it appeals to the kid in you, but you don't realize how much you're learning about kind of ethics and morality and, all that stuff that's kind of ingrained into X-Men. And then by the time you hit your teenage years, you're like, Oh wow, there was, there was really something there. And it even, it even becomes more special. Can, can, can you recall what the first comic was that you read uh, uh, cover to cover? I think the first comic I read cover to cover, I don't remember the number, but it was an issue of uncanny X-Men. Um, I remember the plot. It was, it was Chris Claremont and Mark Silvestri. And it was the first um, issue that they were in the Australian Outback. Like they had just fall of the mutants had just happened. Uh, the world thought the X-Men were dead. And this story was about them emerging in the Australian outback, fighting the Reavers and basically setting up this new status quo. But again, for me, it's my first comic. So as far as I know, this is how the book has always been <laughs> right. <laughs> Random assortment of characters in the Australian outback. Like, Havoc was on the team, uh, you know. Right, that's just what X-Men is to you. Yeah, Dazzler, Longshot, and I'm like, oh, these are the X-Men. So I was just, uh, yeah, that, that's the first comic I remember reading. That was, And that was before the cartoon show and everything like that. That was just like a random comic. I remember my dad like brought me home from uh, from the store. He was just like, oh, check this out. My, my first comics were definitely Archie comics, but that was my first superhero comic. That's way better than my first comic. My first comic was JLX number one. When the when the Justice League and the X Men uh, had their crossover event, that, that, that sounds good. like it would be cool though. Yeah, you so would I, think so. So I have a copy of JLX number one autographed by Mark Wade, the writer, because um, <laughs> I had entered a contest at Wizard. Uh, Wizard magazine was having a because uh, that was an amalgam title, and it was create your own amalgam and do like an art a drawing of it and send it in. And um, I created crossover between the Legion of Superheroes and the New Warriors. And it was the Legion of Warriors, which I loved because it sounded like a WWF Survivor <laughs> Series. Um, yeah, it does. And I didn't get in the magazine, but the, uh, the prize I got was they sent me a signed copy of uh, JLX number one. <laughs> Just say sorry on it. This is all we <laughs> <Yeah>. have left. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that one's uh, quite paid for the college fund the way you would hope it had. <laughs> That, if you remember though, JLX number one is Mark Wade's the writer. Yeah, uh, Howard Porter's the artist. Like it's a great creative team. Yeah, I mean theoretically that book could have been be good, incredible, right? but yeah. when you have got both DC and Marvel kind of pulling the strings on it, it never works out quite the way you want it to. Right. So as as someone who uh, uh, kind of you know got your your start with the the nineties X Men show, which I think everyone loves, uh, uh, there was a rumor. I think it had started last year, and I don't know that it's been quashed yet or not. But with also the reboots and in uh, reimaginings that are being done, the creators of the nineties X Men cartoon want to continue that on on Disney Plus. What do you think of that? I saw that, and I think it would be fantastic as uh, someone who's I'm a father now and. Uh, 
eventually my my daughter's gonna get into comics she doesn't really have a choice in the matter so <laughs> i would love to be able to expose her to a, a new generation of that i really think that even though you watch those shows now and there's like definitely a nostalgic dated element to it there are elements of that show that are just essential and eternal that i don't think will ever go away i think those guys i mean look it's, it's like you said a lot of people their first exposure to the x-men and the x-men that they remember are that 90s animated iteration uh, it's that lineup it's those costumes it's that dynamic so because it's so kind of timeless i think them picking it up where they left off and putting it on disney plus which is going to be just a haven for uh for marvel fans uh i think that would be awesome i'd love it you know we just saw disney plus release their full list of uh what's going to be the movies and which, tv shows which should on there. include the 90s x-men spider-man and fantastic four oh cartoons my God. oh really yeah yeah, yeah. I, I got excited because i saw gargoyles was on there oh, and i am nice i am definitely re-watching gargoyles nice yeah. nice well uh thank you everyone who, 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 who what was that noise i don't know see my sidekick here doesn't know what's going on you know, I feel like mo- most sidekicks are useful, aren't they, Ben? Like, oh, yeah. I, feel, I feel like they bring something to the table. If nothing else, it's a good, like, human shield. Yeah, well, I guess I could use him for that. He's real tall. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> what what can, I, can I reach now? Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, thank you guys uh, in chat that are joining us uh, over at our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash CheckpointXP. If you haven't been catching us on the podcast, head over there and uh, give us a follow. Catch us when we go live throughout the week, as well as all the other content that we do. So the other thing that we want to talk to, to you about, Ben, that, that we can't not ask about is you got to work at Marvel Comics. Uh, now, obviously, there will be some stuff you may not be able to tell us. Right. We sure. get it. Sure. But what was it like? What can you tell us? Because that sounds like a dream. Especially because you worked at Marvel for a decade. That was pretty a pretty good time, I feel like, to be at Marvel. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I came in uh, towards the end of 2007 and Iron Man, the first movie, came out in 2008. So Ooh. I was basically there for the evolution of uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I got to be there for the ground floor. Um, and this is my dream job from when I was a kid. I literally, in elementary school, uh, we had a project where you had to write yourself a letter from the future, what you were doing. And I wrote a detailed letter to myself about how I was working at Marvel. Um, and this is when I was, you know, nine years old. So to actually get to work there was incredible. Um, the people there are amazing. Just the idea that you're working on these incredible properties that mean so much to people. That's incredible. And it was also kind of a fun time to be there for me because in addition to the movies taking hold and the company kind of going from a comics company to an, full entertainment giant it was also kind of the rise of digital so it was a very cool time to be in the digital media department which is where i spent my time because well i was there i mean when i first got there i literally remember when secret invasion came out uh, and we were trying to figure out ways to promote it and i was working with um Sam Humphreys who's a dc writer now but at the time was the head of myspace comics so it was me and Sam <laughs> trying to figure out ways to promote Secret Invasion on uh, MySpace. Uh, and wow. I, I got to stop <laughs> you there. He was the head of MySpace Comics? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was Sam's deal. Before he got into full-time writing, Sam was like the, I don't know if he's editor-in-chief or what his title was, but he ran My, MySpace as they were kind of like on their last gasp. Yeah. Um, they were like, this is the end of their relevancy. The kind of Hail Mary play that they did was they broke MySpace up into a bunch of little like MySpace sports, MySpace music, MySpace 
comics. Boy, that did not work out for them because I did not know any of this. (laughs) Nobody did. And it didn't work out. But probably the best contribution that MySpace Comics made was Sam Humphreys. um, Because he was... At this point, he was trying to break into comics, but he was kind of having some trouble. And he and he ended up taking a job working as the editor of MySpace Comics, and that's how he got to know a lot of us in the industry and at Marvel and other places. And I remember I saw him at San Diego Comic Con when he uh, first started, like his first writing gig for Marvel. And I was like, "Dude, you remember when uh, you were at MySpace?" He's like, "I don't want to talk about it." So it was, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he definitely got his start there, and hopefully, I'm not blowing up his spot by uh, reminding people that. <laughs> That's incredible, though. Dudes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I do need to ask about you know some of the the, the goings on uh, at Marvel. Uh, again, you got to work there at such an incredible time. Uh, I mean, just any stories about like storylines that like stick out to you that you you feel like you'd really want to share? Um, that it was, you know what, honestly, the coolest thing for me was being in the room when writers would pitch things that would end up becoming these big stories. Like kind of the cool thing for right now is I remember, um, the stuff that Jonathan Hickman's doing on X-Men right now, which is phenomenal. Oh yeah. Like it's the talk of the industry. Mm -hmm. I remember being in the room when he said, I have an idea for X-Men. So it's been in the works for a while. Wow. but I remember him pitching his initial ideas and it's cool seeing them kind of play out now. Yeah. Even actually before I was, um, before I was officially at Marvel. So to go back to the remember I won that contest at wizard and then wizard was actually my first job. Um, I worked as a writer at wizard magazine for two years before I went over to Marvel and I got to go to some of their creative summits and I was in the room when they were kind of breaking the new, status quo for spider-man post one more day so i was there when dan slot was coming up with like his first spider-man ideas and just like that was always the coolest part the coolest part was getting to see things in their first iteration and then watching them kind of evolve and then by the time they actually because sometimes you know sometimes things move very fast they would pitch them and then they would be on the on the street so to say you know within months but sometimes they would gestate for years um, and they would kind of evolve and evolve and evolve. And I just remember stuff like um, just a lot of that X-Men stuff, um, just different plot lines that people would suggest over and over again. And it would always be like, all right, we'll try to get to that. We'll try to get to that. And there would, that was the thing about having all these incredible creative minds is there was only so much space to do, you know, one event every so often. So a lot of the ideas that people would come up with would get refined so, year so- after year. So Ben, I, I gotta ask, I just because you mentioned one more day and, and being there around, you was Joe Casada at this event? Uh, I just did you have the opportunity to punch him in the face and not take it? <laughs> <laughs> Joe is one of the coolest, nicest guys in comics. He was always hugely helpful to me. Yeah, um, one of the best dudes, just in terms of just a stand up guy. Um, I guess you're, you're like, you're alluding to the fact that basically like he took his lumps for one more day. Yes, it was a story, it was a story he believed in and he was willing to stand by it. And I'll say this about Joe. He would never let anyone else take the blame for if people were upset about that, he would say, you know what? It's my responsibility. Come after me. And that's just the kind of guy 
he is. Well, uh, I'll tell you, I can I can definitely respect that. I was like like many. Uh, One more day was not my favorite Spider-Man story. Yeah, to ever I, come I, out. I I apologize for my sidekick here. Sometimes he forgets his place. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. No, the sidekick you, <laughs> thing has gone far enough. I think you you were the one who started it. True, no, you said you had started in in 2007, which actually puts you right in the middle of the Ultimate Timeline uh, a right. uh, 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 lifespan and. That that's sort of when, as far as like comic books themselves go, that's where I got into it. Uh, I had actually found a collection of uh, the Ultimate Timeline uh, presented in chronological order across all titles, and I was able to read through that entire thing, start to finish, in perfect chronological order. And it has now sort of ruined how I consume comics. That's uh, fair. I, I tried to go through Rebirth uh, and starting with Batman. And there was one storyline where, like, I, you had to go from Batman to Detective Comics to Batwoman to to, to Night. Like, there was like seven different ones you had to go yeah. through, and I'm just like, I I, I can't do it. So, uh, uh, what would you say? Like, 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 what's the best way to sort of get into and now follow? comics aside from from just going and trying to buy every issue as as it comes out i mean do you do you have any any uh advice so i'm weird in the sense of the way i've always consumed comics is i'll tell you a story is that and this goes off marvel and goes back to dc because I, I love both companies um i just happen to work for one but i remember uh i got when i was in college uh, I got really into DC because there was a great comic store down the street from Connecticut college where I went to school. And there was uh, my, my girlfriend at the time, her parents for Christmas got me a gift certificate to um, this comic store. So even though the relationship didn't work out, it was, you know, well impactful on my life and I was very happy that it happened. Um, but they got me this gift certificate and I was like, all right, I'm going to go in. And the way my mind works is what's the biggest densest, like hardest entry point. So what I did was I picked up the trade for crisis on infinite earths. And for me, the way I read comics, I don't know if I necessarily suggest this to other people, but for me, it's <laughs> jump in to the craziest, most over the top thing and get like your initial exposure. It's like jumping into cold water uh -huh. and like you'll eventually get in and then kind of work your way back. Like I'm not the guy who says like, start with, the first issue of something. I'm the guy who says, uh, you know, read a Legion of superheroes or read an X-Men story that is, you don't understand at all. And then say, all right, I've liked the gist of this story. I'm going to go back and read everything else. Like I'm going to, I, I love Gambit. So I'm going to go find Gambit's first appearance. So I know that's, it's probably not the most helpful advice, but to me, that's the best way to experience comics. It's grab something that looks cool um, but grab it at its kind of apex and then work your way backwards. So it's, it's an unorthodox way of reading comics, but it's how I've always done. It's how I got into any franchise I got into, whether it was Avengers, X-Men, Fantastic Four, it was pick it up in the middle of the story and then work my way back to find out everything about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember getting into, you know, Batman for my first time because I was a big fan of the animated TV show mm -hmm. and, but I hadn't yeah. read much of the comics. And when I first got into Batman, I literally remember it's, it always seems to be the story. Co great comic store right down the street. That's how it always starts. Uh, and I went in, I just said, Hey, I'm interested in getting like starting to learn, you know, read Batman. What do I do? And he literally g grabs a trade paperback of uh, hush, the killing mm. joke, uh, long Halloween, and um uh 
uh, year one, uh, Batman okay. year one, and just says, read these. If you like these, you can read There's almost one. anything in Batman. <laughs> and I'm like, and that was it. Like, like it, it, I appreciated that he didn't try to start me off with any of the Frank Miller mm-hmm. stuff because that can be kind of, I like Frank Miller's work, but if you look at it, like the animation on it, the, the illustrations on it are kind of, they're not what you expect of Batman, mm-hmm. I would say. But uh, yeah, that was a great way to like get in, find some story arcs that you like, and then if you if you really like those big story moments, then start reading everything. All right, that's, yeah, that's, I'm, a, that's I'm a big believer in read the best stuff first. Like you don't need to read the first issue and like learn who the characters are and then go like read the best X Men story, which for me would be Executioner's Song, um, and read that and then pick it apart. Like go back and find the pieces that make it make sense. That's my philosophy on comics reading. So uh, Ben, I understand that you're you're currently going through uh, uh, grad school right now, correct? I am. I am a teacher here at UNLV, and uh, I always kind of in the back of my mind wanted to go to grad school. I, I, I graduated in uh, 2004, and I kind of immediately jumped right into the comics field, which was awesome. And in the back of my mind, I was like, you know, someday it would be cool to go back to grad school. So when I started uh, teaching here at UNLV, I had the opportunity. So I'm taking uh, one class a semester, but yeah, I'm working my way through grad school, uh, getting my my master's degree in uh, media studies. And and you had mentioned uh, uh, too that that the the thesis you're working on has to do not not so much with with comic book themselves, but with the way that the the culture is sort of influencing uh, pop culture in general. So I went to uh, I went to my advisor uh, when I started out, and I was thinking like, all right, well, I probably have to write my thesis on something I you know don't know anything about. Like I have to learn, I have to go into something I don't know, so <laughs> that I have to learn everything about it. I was like, I, I just figured that was how it works, and I pitched a bunch of ideas to uh this this professor and he goes ben like why would you not do your thesis about comic books and i'm like what i like i can do that (laughs) he's like you have uh you have like 15 years professional experience in the field and you've been a fan of these things since you were a kid he's like there it would be insane of you not to use that as the basis for what you're doing i was like all right sounds amazing i love grad school um and then i kind of over the last year i've been in grad school for about a year now and i I crafted the idea of i want to do something that explores kind of the evolving morality specifically of marvel um in the way that how did society influence what marvel was doing and how did marvel what they were doing influence uh the people who are reading it in the sense that like you go from captain america in the 1940s being pretty much propaganda uh it was a time i interviewed Joe Simon before he passed away. And he told me that, uh, you know, Captain America was created because he and Kirby wanted to punch Hitler in the face. And they <laughs> so they created someone who could. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you move on into the sixties and the seventies and you have Stanley and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko telling these morality stories where it's, you know, whether it's X-Men, Spider-Man, uh, even Thor, Fantastic Four, here is a story that's going to teach you a lesson about how to be a decent person and how to affect society. And I'm really, and then you go all the way up to today where, you know, you have the movies and it's so successful. And I, I my main argument is that comics are better when they have that moral message at the center, uh, when the the heart of it is about doing the right thing. So what I'm going to try to do with my thesis is uh, find a way to explore that and prove it, whether it's charting sales or critical success. But I really want to examine that uh, relationship between 
society, morality, and where comic books fit in. You know that that's always uh, what drew me into uh, Spider-Man, uh, uh, specifically mm-hmm. the, the the death of Spider-Man story uh, as well. Because you know, in that arc, when you look at someone like Captain America, you know, he's a soldier. He wants to do like like that's just that's him. That's what he wants to right. do. Right. He wanted to be a soldier. To do the right thing, and he's yeah. he's made for it. You know, Tony Stark has has the money to be able to do it. You know, Superman the strength, but. Peter Parker was always just a kid who was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and even with his powers, probably shouldn't be the one entrusted to do these things. But he right. knows that I have the ability, and so if 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 I don't, who's who's going to? And that that death of Spider Man arc just always like spelled it up for me the most because he's also just a kid who's doing it. You know, when you have the the uh, uh, I forget if they call him the Dark Avengers or not, but. You know, Fury had like his Black Ops squad with like the Punisher and whatnot, and they were fighting against the Avengers on the bridge. And it's like none of you realize what's actually going on. There are people in trouble, and you're just fighting yourself. But like this high school kid, he gets it, and he's doing the right thing. And that was just always so powerful for me. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't. I wasn't a Spider-Man guy as a kid. Like I just didn't get it. And I think um, not to not to go back to not to open up the the one more day wound. (laughs) I was kind of like, even though I grew up with the the marriage of Spider-Man and Mary Jane, um, I was never super into Spider-Man. And I think that was one of the barriers for me was by the time I got to Spider-Man, he's this kind of like successful married to a supermodel like science. Ah, yeah. Then when I got a little older and read the old, like, read the classic Stanley, Steve Ditko, John Romita stuff where he's this put upon high school student. And like you said, he's just, and, and that's where also obviously the inspiration for the ultimate books come mm-hmm. to the idea that he's just this kid. He's finding his way in the world. I was like, Oh, I get it. That's why he's such a cool character. So not to take sides with the whole, you know, one more day thing, but I, I understand the appeal of yeah. having that kind of untethered uh, Spider-Man who isn't necessary. He doesn't have his life together. I think that's part of the appeal of the character. So I got to ask, and I'm sure you've been asked this before, someone who worked at Marvel for a long time, but I mean, Ben, if you were a superhero, what, I mean, what superhero would you be? Oh, my favorite character. I don't know if you can see in the background here is uh, Nova, Rich Rider. I've got all my statues there. Um, Always been my favorite. My favorite comic when I was a kid was New Warriors. Um Fabian Nicieza, who I've been fortunate enough to meet a bunch of times. And like when I was at Marvel, I had to meet a bunch of, you know, the actors and right. celebrities, who, celebrities who would come to the office. And I was generally pretty cool around them. If you had someone who wrote like X-Men in the nineties come in, that's where I would just lose it and like be completely tongue tied. So like, um, Robert Downey Jr. Didn't phase me, but Kurt Busick and Fabian Nicieza, I was like, Ugh. I, was like <laughs> I was like, these are the cool. These are the guys. I remember when Jim Starling came in one time, I could not talk. Um, I think I would freak out if Jim Starling came in like that'd be sweet. He blew my mind and just like that dude was incredible. But uh, Nova was always my guy. He was the, the coolest character in new warriors going back to like the Spider-Man thing. I didn't really relate to Spider-Man because I didn't find him as every man as everyone else said. I was like, he's really smart. Um, you know, he's, he's, he didn't remind me of myself. Rich Rider always reminded me of me in the sense that he wasn't the, the coolest kid in school. Uh, he wasn't a complete dropout. He was just kind of, he was a guy. He was just a normal guy trying to figure things out. So Nova was always my dude. And when he came back around via Annihilation and all those cosmic books in the uh, the 2000s. 
I was just like on cloud nine, um, especially as I started working there. And I was just like, this is the guy. I love his powers. I love his costume. I love his personality. He works as an earth hero. He works as an outer space hero. So if I had one hero who I can kind of relate to and be like, that's, that's the one I'd want to step into, it would definitely be Nova. Well, hopefully we uh, also see him grace the screen in the MCU uh, sooner yeah, rather right? than later. <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, I actually remember like reading, and, and I don't know if, if this was ever found or not, but there was a headline going on for a while that someone had mentioned uh, who was working on the MCU films that there's actually a Nova Easter egg in Endgame that nobody's found yet. Really? Yeah. Interesting. That's mm, that's oh, interesting. Man, yep, yep. Well, uh, Ben, thank you so much for joining us uh, today for the other identity. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk with you guys more. This was really fun. Thank you so much oh, for having me. Well, definitely. You are in our Rolodex, and uh, that's going to be it for us today, guys, for the other identity. Joe, go ahead and take us out. Will Ben return to the other identity? Will Joe Boy learn to love one more day? Tune in next time. Same Twitch time. Same Twitch channel.